Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and this is a little different from our typical format. Usually, there's two people discussing one movie that they love, but I wanted to take a quick moment just to recap uh, my experience at the Frame for Frame Festival in Arlington. So this was September 20th through 23rd. This is a nonprofit festival. Um, It's in its third year, and it attracts hundreds of people to local independent film, visual arts, music, and Arlington in the community. So I went to the film aspect of this festival. I saw two blocks. Uh, one was on Saturday from 1 to 4, and then one the final block on Sunday from 4 to 7. And I wanted to take a moment just to highlight a couple of the movies that I saw during that time. So the first film was a short film called Nobody Dies Here by uh, Simon Panay from Saloni, France. Uh, this was kind of a documentary. It was on location at a perma gold not gold mine, sorry, <laughs> perma gold mine in Benin, uh, which is a country in West Africa. And the description is some dream to find something. Others realize there is nothing to be found. Some dig relentlessly, hoping to become rich and others died in the process. And a few of them say nobody dies here. So I found this film, first of all, the cinematography was just beautiful. Um, There are some really incredible shots in the film. I I just saw just really good camera work. Um, I think that stood out to me. Also, the sounds in the film were really just had a lot of impact. Um, And then the personal stories of these people that live in Benin and how they're trying so hard to find their fortune, basically, and how a lot of times they barely cover just food for the day and how they'll spend hours from, you know, sunup to sundown, sometimes beyond that, just searching for gold with very crude tools. It's an extremely dangerous environment. They don't have real protection. And just the way that the people in charge of the mine, it's it seemed like the film was implying take advantage of them. And I don't know, it was just heart-wrenching. Uh, it was moving. And then again, it was beautiful. So you can find the website on this short at www.nobodydieshere.com and I hope you check it out. The second film I want to talk about was a feature called Paz Amoy y Musica by Israel Marquez from Grand Prairie, Texas. Um, this was about the Austin-based singer-songwriter Alex Ruiz. Ruiz, I'm sorry, talks about his beginnings as he started as a ditch digger and ended up being a lead vocalist for a band called Chingon. Uh, which belongs to one of Hollywood's top filmmakers, Robert Rodriguez. Uh, Alex has also performed with Del Castillo, Los Lonely Boys, Willie Nelson, Los Lobos, Carlos Santana, and many more. 
So I, I kind of mentioned this in our last uh, podcast talking about this festival, but this entire film was shot on three different iPhones because the film took about three different uh, three years to make. So um, I thought that was incredible. And I noticed that Israel Marquez had mentioned in the press briefing that, you know, there will be some audio issues since it was shot in an iPhone. But I have to tell you, like, that was probably the most impressive part about it was that uh, there weren't audio issues at all, like the, which I think is really challenging because he was capturing a lot of live performances. And so I was really impressed with that. It, it definitely made me just as somebody that, you know, does work in a medium with audio, it was like, oh my gosh, what, what microphone is that? Um, so I was really impressed with that. I also just liked hearing um, the story of this band and uh, how they kind of rose to the position that they're in. Basically, they were a local Austin band, and Robert Rodriguez was looking for someone to do the soundtrack for his uh, El Mariachi series, and he ended up using them like to do the entire score of that first film. And for many of his other films, they've done a lot of the music. And he, uh, one of the band members, um, even ended up like teaching Robert Rodriguez how to play guitar. And it was just a really incredible story. I. It did make me walk away with, you know, a renewed, I mean, I've, I've always liked Robert Rodriguez, but I really like the way that he tapped into his local scene. And I'm sure in the beginning that was partly for budget reasons, but also just a way to like, you know, tell what you know to bring uh, your local talent out and, and put them in the film industry in a way that has a lasting impact. And I really respected that. And, and again, just the fact that this was shot on an iPhone, um, it's amazing what you can do these days, right? Um, Israel talked about, uh, going to pawn shops and buying like old iPhones and, um, you know, setting up two or three iPhones during a performance to get the shots that he needed because he didn't have a crew. And so I think just the story of him, you know, kind of doing that all on his own and the way that he handled it was really interesting and um, love that he was bringing, you know, Latin music to the forefront. And so, yeah, that's I think you guys should go check it out. Um, there's the trailer um, online on YouTube if you just search uh, the name of it. Again, it's Paz Amor y Musica. And then also check out his Facebook presence at facebook.com slash Ruiz Marquez Films. Another film I wanted to highlight was called Alma by Samantha Reich from Arlington, Texas. And this description is, Primordial instincts awaken as a group of isolated mountain villagers are threatened by demons of their own design. So when Samantha spoke about this, she had been to 43 countries and she's really interested in other countries and other languages. And while she was in Iceland, she was told that Georgia was a beautiful place. Um, she found it to be a very interesting place and didn't know much about it. But flights from London for, were about 25 pounds. <laughs> and she's a student. And so she shot this over her spring break, which is really incredible, I think. It was just very, um, very, very creative. Uh, there was a storm coming and that actually cut her film short. And snow was something she hadn't considered when returning because she had originally scouted the location when it was like spring there. And then when she came during her spring break, snow was actually falling quite a bit. Um, so what was interesting about Samantha was, number one, you know, she's a film female filmmaker and I care about that a lot. I love that she used um, her her traveling and her love for other cultures to to make this film. 
The film had no subtitles, and it was all just kind of artistic, impressionistic type shots. Um, and I just thought it was really interesting. She mentioned that once she finishes college, she's going to take a year to um, help refugees in the United States. And then after that year is up, she's going to return uh, to school to get her master's. And I was just like, man, that is incredible. I just love what she was doing. I loved her message, and I thought her filmmaking was great. I thought she had a lot of potential, and I just really enjoyed it. Another short that I really enjoyed was called Unarmed. Unarmed follows a young African-American male, David, whose father was murdered by police. David's biggest fear is seeing his daughter grow up without a father the same way he grew up without one. And the film was made by Elias Moreno in Arlington, Texas. And I think what's unique about this particular short, it was definitely touching on police brutality, but uh, the filmmaker said his goal was to kind of show both sides. Um, There's a moment in the short where a police officer escalates the situation a little too far and then he realizes it and then you see like the fear in his eyes where he almost pulled the trigger and almost made a mistake and um, Elias mentioned that he wanted to kind of get this conversation going get it you know see it portrayed more often on film and show the other side as well just you know the the reaction from the police officer when he realized that he made a huge mistake and that It could have been a lot worse, but it wasn't. And I don't know, I thought the short was shot very well. I thought the actors did a good job and I thought the dialogue was really good. And the last movie that I want to talk about was a feature film that ended the festival. It was called Natural Hair, the movie. Uh, It's a feature length documentary that explores the struggles of hair identity told by women of color. And uh, first of all, it was great. It was extremely eye-opening. Um, engaging. I loved hearing from all those different women and their struggle and just learning the history of, uh, you know, African-American culture and having that history that they have with their hair. And it was just kind of just mind-blowing, really. Uh, Reginald Titus, I mentioned in our last uh, episode when I talked about this, um, about this festival, he got the idea to make the film because his wife had decided to go natural and she was getting a lot of comments and she even lost her job. And I think that's something that, at least for me and a lot of other people that don't have that experience, like, that's shocking to us. Like, we're kind of, I remember mentioning this movie to someone and they said, well, is that really happening? Or is that more of a perceived problem? Which I do not like that term, (laughs) perceived problem. Anyway, listen to people is, is my big message. Um, is it a perceived problem? Well, let's hear from people of color. Let's listen to what they have to say. Let let them share their experiences on what happened to them. I think the documentary does a really good job of explaining it's not just perception. Um, it, it is something that happened. There's a history behind natural hair and why, um, you know, people of color struggle in the workplace and why um, they're often asked, you know, to change their hair. And I think that's something, you know, we find surprising because we can't imagine our bosses, our coworkers ever bringing up someone's hair, like in that light. But, you know, a lot of times when when this happens to people, it's not in front of everybody, right? They're maybe they're pulled aside and told quietly, or it's hinted at in an email or something. It's not always out in the open. So that's something that I feel pretty strongly about. I mean, after learning about this issue and after seeing this, I really 
just think it needs to get out there. Um, during the Q&A with the cast and crew, uh, there were a lot of questions from the audience about maybe sending this to businesses or schools so that it could be on their radar. Because I think a big problem with it is that people just genuinely don't understand. And if they had the tools to learn more about it, they they would be more open to it, I think. So you can check out this movie if you want to on Facebook. Just look up www.facebook.com slash naturalhairthemovie. They also have a website, www.naturalhairthemovie.com. And you can also find them on Twitter. Their handle is naturalhairmov. So yeah, okay, that wraps up all the uh, shorts and movies that I wanted to talk about. I had a blast at this festival, and I just wanted to encourage you guys, um, if you are local to the Metroplex area, check out some of these film festivals. They're really fun, and you're it's a way to give back, I think, because you're getting involved with your community, you're supporting local art, and that can only be a positive thing. So definitely encourage you guys to do that come next year. And if you're not local, you know, check out your own local uh, film festival and support it. Uh, speaking of that, the next thing I want to put on your radar if you're local is Dallas Video Fest, uh, which is going to be DocuFest. It's going to be October 10th through 14th, and opening night will be uh, on the 10th at the Texas Theater. And then some of the other events will be at the Angelica Film Center in Dallas. So, so yeah, I just wanted to tell you guys about that. A couple movies that really stood out to me that I'm really excited about seeing. Uh, the first one is The Great Buster, A Celebration, which is a documentary on Buster Keaton. So I'm really pumped about that. There's also another film called 209 Rue Saint-Moir, Paris 10M, The Neighbors. Uh, after selecting a building at random in a Jewish neighborhood in Paris, French director Ruth Zilberman meticulously reconstructed its community of inhabitants during the German occupation. What results is the spellbinding 2009 Rue Saint-Moir, an experimental histography that tells the emotional story of lives uprooted and destroyed under the Nazis. And that's just a couple examples. There's also going to be some panels about, um, you know, uh, fair use, what you can legally borrow and document, editing, distribution. So it's going to be really interesting. And just like it sounds, it centers a lot around documentaries, which I love. I have a big documentary addiction on Netflix and Hulu. But this is going to be fun because you can come out and see some of these and even hear from the filmmakers and learn a little bit about making your own films. So so yeah, it's going to be a really good time. You can buy tickets on videofest.org. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up this mini episode. Thank you so much for listening. And again, support your local film scene. 